Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. And welcome to today's pandemic briefing. Over the last few months, life has been completely turned upside down by the global pandemic of COVID-19. It is described as a once in a lifetime event that threatens all humanity and life as we know it. The news, social media and the internet seem to be full of doom and gloom. They offer little hope. They report no good news. So are there any examples of pandemics in the Bible that would provide us with hope and good news for our future? Well, when looking for biblical examples of pandemics, our first thoughts might go to the plagues of Egypt or to Noah's flood. But there is one pandemic at the very beginning of the Bible that is the source of all other disastrous events in human history. It is the pandemic that affects every man, woman, child, ethnic group and country. This pandemic actually causes social distancing. It causes a massive rift between God and human beings and among human beings themselves and between human beings and the world as God intended it. This pandemic causes destruction and death to everything it touches, our bodies, our minds, our spirits, the world as we know it, our relationships. It's associated with 100% mortality. Galatians 5 gives a very accurate description of its symptoms and complications. Trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Friendly and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper and the impotence to love and be loved. Divided homes and divided lives small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. This is the pandemic of sin. Root cause analysis track and traces the origins of sin back to us making the wrong decisions, choosing deliberately to rebel against God's will, God's standards, and God's ways. This is the why, why there is the separation between God and man, because we chose to be separated between God and ourselves. We don't need a swab test to tell us we've been infected by sin. We just need to look at that list of symptoms and complications. Oh, some of us may think that we haven't been very badly affected, that some of those symptoms don't really apply to us, that others are more seriously affected than us because their symptoms are worse than us. But the diagnostic test for sin 
is not what we think. God is the diagnostician for sin. And God is the standard by which sin is diagnosed. The diagnostic test that God applies to us to see if we have sinned is, have we ever, at any time in our life, fallen short of the glory and the beauty and the majesty and the perfection that is God? And when you apply that as the acid test for sin, then all of us have fallen short. All of us have been infected. There is no one who is sin-free. So if we've all tested positive for sin, what are the treatment options available to us for eradicating it? Well, the first treatment option to always consider is no treatment. That's what will happen to us if we deliberately choose to refuse the recommended treatment being offered to us. Vast amounts of data from the Bible and from the lives of billions of human beings over the millennia conclusively demonstrate two things. One, sin will not spontaneously regress. It will not go away on its own. And two, there is nothing that we can do on our own to eradicate sin from our lives. Oh, millions of us have tried. We've experimented with a no treatment option. We've tried to live perfect lives. We've tried to live the very best lives we could. We've tried to live lives like God, but we've tried it in our own strength. And in every single case, we have failed. At some point, we will eventually fall short of God's standards yet again. Left to our own devices, we will always have a second peak of sin in our lives. Refusing the recommended treatment only means and ensures that the R value for sin in our lives stays above one. And that means that far from eradicating sin, there will be an exponential increase in sin in our lives over time. The no treatment option for sin is proven to be unsuccessful and is associated with fatal and eternal consequences. In order to not just survive, but to thrive, we need to look at the other option, the option that God is applying to us. So in eradicating any pandemic, the most effective treatment is to acquire immunity against the condition ourselves. Someone who already has immunity to the condition in their blood can transfer their immunity to us and we become immune as a result. And that's exactly what God has done in sending his son, Jesus, to live, suffer and die on the cross for us. Jesus never did anything that was separate from God. And as a result, he was never infected by sin. So when we share in his blood and the immunity and the power that is in his blood, he reverses the social distancing that sin caused. We develop that closeness to God that Jesus had. And the Bible puts it this way. Jesus never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. 
He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became our healing. Christ suffered because of others' sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all, was put to death and then made alive to bring us back to God. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross contains all the antibodies, all the immunity we will ever acquire. The blood of Jesus redeems our life from the pit, from the mess that we're in. As it says in the Psalms, he forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You'll always be young in his presence. God makes everything right. He puts victims back on their feet. And in Ephesians, he says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. We're absolutely free. Now, if we're looking for hope for our future, that's it. If we're looking for good news for our future, that's it. So how do we apply this good news to our lives? Well, we do three things. We say sorry, we say yes to Jesus, and we come alive. So saying sorry. Well, the first thing in treating any disease is to recognize that you actually have a problem in the first place and need treatment. Denying the existence only delays the treatment, often until it's too late and the disease kills us. First John 1 puts it this way, if we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God. We make him out to be a liar. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all our wrongdoings. So let's not deny the problem. Let's say sorry to God for choosing to do things in our lives without him. And let's generally turn around and follow him. In Acts 3, it says, now it's the time to change your ways. Turn to face God so that he can wipe away your sins, pour out showers of blessing to refresh you and send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. So having said sorry, we next say yes to Jesus. Saying yes to doing life his way. Saying yes to him reversing the social distancing that sin created between us and God. Saying yes to living life with the living one. Saying yes to living life in all its fullness forever.
Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Say the welcome word to Jesus. God is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. When we say yes to Jesus, we're recognizing that he is the only effective treatment for our sin because he contains all the antibodies we will ever require. When we say yes to Jesus, his healing becomes our healing. His strength becomes our strength. His life becomes our life. His victory over death becomes our victory over death. His life forevermore becomes our life forevermore. As Ephesians 2 puts it, saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. And it's that simple. All we have to do is to say yes to Jesus and God does the rest. And at the very moment we say yes to Jesus, sin and every one of its complications is wiped away from our lives. Oh, we may still demonstrate some of the symptoms, but God doesn't focus on our persistent symptoms. God focuses on the fact that the blood of Jesus has already dealt with the problem of sin. When we said yes to Jesus, the Jesus dropped the R factor of sin in our lives down to zero. From God's perspective, we've already passed the peak of sin. The graph is flattening, and not just flattening, it's exponentially going downwards, such it would be completely eradicated, and there will be no second peak. That is hope, and that is good news. So having said sorry, and having said yes to Jesus, we next say, come alive. And Jesus himself puts it this way. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. No one can steal them out of my hand. You see, the coming life that Jesus offers is a whole healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. 
God describes the full life he offers us in the prophet Isaiah. I'll give you the full life in the emptiest of your places. Firm muscles and strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. You see, perhaps the most famous verse in the whole Bible puts coming alive this way. <clears throat> this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, so that anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go all, to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point the finger in an accusing way, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. So there we have it. We have a choice. We can either choose the no-treatment option and reject God's offer of help. Or we can trust the one-and-a-kind Son of God and put our trust in the healing factors of his blood. We can remain under the sentence of death, or we can have life now and life eternal. We can be under sin, or we can be acquitted. God's treatment option is the best hope we'll ever have. It's the best news, good news, we'll ever receive. So, there is a choice for us to make. We can choose the no treatment option, or we can trust in the one-of-a-kind Son of God's blood with all the factors that we would ever need to be totally healed of everything that's wrong with us. We can remain under the sentence of death or we can be acquitted and have life. So what treatment option are you going to choose? Stay with the no treatment option or go with Jesus's offer of hope and good news. It's the best offer of hope you'll ever get in your life. It's the best offer of good news you will ever get in your life. And if you want to do that, why don't you join with me now as we pray a prayer to say sorry, say yes to Jesus, and come alive. There's a prayer button, and there's also a button if you want to accept Jesus. Press those, if you like. But pray with me now. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to say sorry for turning my back on you, for separating myself from you, for thinking I know more about life than you do. 
And Jesus, I recognize that in your blood, there is immunity. There is healing. There is restoration. There is hope. There is good news. There is life. There is power. There is everything I could ever want for now and for the future. And Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to you. Yes, to you living in my life. Yes, to you reversing the distancing between me and God. Yes, to you giving me life in all its fullness. Yes, to you giving me hope and a future. And Jesus, I just want to thank you that having said sorry and having said yes, I know that I will come alive, that your spirit will breathe new life into me, that your spirit will breathe hope and good news into me, Lord, and that I am with you forever. I have life in all its fullness because of you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. So, all the best. That ends today's pandemic briefing. But just always remember, say sorry, say yes to Jesus, and come alive. Bless you all. <clears throat> that was brilliant, wasn't it? I've seen that on TV somewhere before. I wonder where I've seen that. So relevant. So that was where straight we're at. from our health minister, <laughs> Dr. Gordon. Yeah. It was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> well done. But right now, there's a hand on your screen in the comment section and yes. it's asking you would you like to make a commitment to Jesus a little hand I want you to press that right now Gordon prayed with us and he said we can say yes mm -hmm. so press that button and we want to send whoever sent that uh, press that button we want to send them some material Wayne yeah because they're going to start a journey now with Jesus, yeah. a relationship with Jesus. And we want to pray with you as well. If you press that button, send us that email, and we want to pray with you. But we'd love to get this into the post for you too. Yes, we will. Now, I want to just pray a blessing on you. And I want to pray for the week. Mm -hmm. Because I believe this is going to be a blessed week. I believe this is a week where the favor of God is going to be on us. So Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you that you touch every single family. We speak to sickness in any family that's there and we say, go in the name of Jesus. Mm. We thank you for health and prosperity in every single believer. Lord, we pray for those who have listened to the word and have heard the word of God for the first time today. We pray that that word would grow inside of them, that you develop such a hunger that they cannot deny their hunger for God. We want to thank you for the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys and have a great week. God bless. Chat to you on Tuesday. Bye. <laughs>